Welcome to Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet. Each and every week we get to talk to new and exciting people about whatever is on their mind and what's important to them, whether it's health, overcoming addiction, spirituality, finding God, uh, politics, conspiracy, you name it, we cover it. So it's an honor and a blessing to have you join us. I look forward to meeting you and thank you so much for tuning in. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet. Today is lucky episode number 96. And today I have a very lovely, beautiful guest that's newer to the podcast community, but making his rounds and rightly so because he's an amazing person. Welcome, Mr. Jake. How are you today? Janet, it is so nice to see you. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your show. Yes, Lucky 96. What a cool time we can spend together. And I appreciate everything that you've done so far on the Deplorable Nation. Nice job. Oh, well, I thank you. I appreciate that. So for listeners who do not know you yet, I want them to know you better. So tell me, what is the name of your show and what made you decide to start it? Sure, sure. Thank you so much. And yeah, the name of my show is Loco Listens Podcast. Now, I'm someone who when they're at, when a friend or family member is asking me what I've been up to, I'll give them some spiel about, well, I, I heard on this podcast one time and uh, since 2020, I've been spending a lot of time listening, had a lot of free time, was unfortunately one of those poor souls uh, collecting those unemployment checks during the pandemic um, or the, the scamdemic, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. And uh, I had a lot of time. So I just started learning and I, I guess you could say, quote unquote, researching via podcast. And eventually I decided I wanted to start chatting and I have nothing in particular as far as a goal. My, my really only intention is to continue learning, to connect with the wonderful people in this community and listen and learn and hopefully become a better listener as a result. So I appreciate the opportunity to connect with someone else in this podcasting community like yourself, Janet, and I'm really looking forward to getting to know you as we go through this episode together. Now, this may sound like a silly question, um, but I always, always like to pick people's brains who who start a show, especially um, newer people. Do you kind of feel like podcasting um, is a little um, cathartic and maybe therapeutic at the same time? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was just earlier today, I was on the 13 questions podcast. Shout out to Bill and, and Adam. They do an awesome job there. And what was happening was we were talking about the same idea, the catharsis or that therapeutic quality of having these conversations. And it's so cool because, well, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's a blessing and a curse because I feel so amped up and energized after these conversations. Uh, If I do them in the evening, I'm like, well, fuck, how am I going to go to sleep now? I'm all (laughs) wired. It's the greatest feeling ever, Janet, but I'm, and I'm sure you can relate, but uh, yeah, it's definitely very cathartic. In fact, my first episode ever was with the lovely Mira Taylor and she led me through a consult. It was sort of like a therapy session. And that was awesome. And mm-hmm. I'm definitely inspired to open up some more and investigate my own psychology as well as, you know, just being open to new ideas in general and mm-hmm. learning from different people from various backgrounds. 
You know, and I think it's a beautiful thing in the in the community because a lot of people say, "Oh my God, there's another new podcast." But you hmm. know what? I think it's wonderful because everybody that I have met in the community is just the most beautiful, amazing people that you could ever meet. And there's so much information and so many different um, like angles of shows and, you know, so many different things that you can listen to and learn from. And I just, I just love it. I think it's amazing. Yeah, for sure. There's uh, something really cool to that. Like, for example, I was searching up Deplorable Janet earlier. Um, I was on Spotify. And there are so many different interviews where I could find you and hear you're, you know, it's the same Janet, but in bunch of different places. And each conversation has something unique to offer. So it doesn't matter how mm -hmm. many podcasts there are out there. It's cool that every conversation has, it's like its own mini universe. And it's really cool that right. this phrase has been tossed around in the uh, community quite a lot that rising tides raise all ships. So even though mm -hmm. I'm not out here to make money, I don't have a Patreon or anything like that, I might make one one day. But for now, it's just cool to connect and to learn and uh, to support each other, which has been very fulfilling right. so far in just the short month that I've been doing this. So, yeah, And that's what I, I love about my, it. Because... Uh, dog in the background. He's hacking yeah. up a uh, long side like, hey. <laughs> hey, pay attention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's okay. You're probably going to see like a cat butt in front of the oh, computer cool. in, the, in a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So, but I, I love the community because I don't have a Patreon. I don't make any money. I never have made any money off of it. But my thing is I love helping to connect other people. And so like mm. for me, like I'll do my thing, you know, and then I'll go on other people's shows and then I'll like call up one of my podcaster buddies and I'll be like, oh my God, like I have an amazing guest for you. Like you have to have yeah. this person on because, you know, it's just having a conversation and, right. you know, that's like scrolling through Instagram one day. That's how I found Ellie and her mm. and I have become so close um, because like I saw her story about big pharma and I was like, girl, you need to be on my show. And now we talk like frequently. And I just, um, nice. just seeing like the things that people have overcome and their, their struggles in life and, you know, what their stories are. It's so inspiring to, and for me, that's what most of my show is, is getting, you know, people's stories or traumas or, you know, drug use or, or whatever the case may be out so that other mm. people can know that they're not alone in their struggles, that other people have also, you know, come in contact with the same. Yeah, right on, right on. And since you brought her up, Ellie is a perfect example. Huge shout out to One Thumb L on the Speed Bumps podcast, brand new podcast. And she mm -hmm. was kind enough to invite me on to her second episode. But I highly recommend, guys, go watch her first episode. It's a solo cast, and she tells mm -hmm. her 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 whole story. I won't get into it because she says it best, and she is wonderful. I really appreciate you, L. And she's a perfect she's a perfect example of someone who's inviting that cathartic conversation, like you said, to talk about those traumas or those hurdles that we've overcome. And that's what this is all about for right. me is to keep on growing and to help other people grow as well. So it's really cool. I'm 
glad that you guys connected. It's no surprise too, because I know how much you care about the <laughs> medical industry, the malpractices of mm -hmm. this malevolent uh, industry. So it's good to think about it yeah. from a different angle. And Elle definitely has a unique perspective on it for sure. So what, um, like, do you have a specific uh, direction, I guess you could say that you want to take your show in or do you see it um, like evolving as you evolve? Yeah, sure. I'm well, as my name suggests, Loco, I mean, I'm kind of crazy. I kind of go all over. But as far <laughs> as getting involved and getting into these kinds of topics, I I like to put myself in two camps. So and this is like a very like uh, dual or dualistic kind of thinking. So you have like your Mm -hmm. conspiracy on your left brain and then you have your spirituality on your right brain and they always merge together it's like something that sam Tripoli always says which i really vibe with which is conspiracy always leads to spirituality or vice versa mm -hmm. so for me on the spiritual side i'll start there um i was just talking to bill and adam about lucid dreaming and how i first encountered that phenomenon of sleep paralysis and realizing that there was this inner realm that was beyond the physical plane. That was really cool. And that was when I was pretty young. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, on the conspiracy side, and this is something that I'm sure you can say a lot about, on the conspiracy side, um, I was too young to understand 9-11. I was only first grade when that, when that happened. So beyond that, mm -hmm. the first conspiracy that I really started to care about was in the nutrition industry and being led to Amen. certain foods like soy, for example, mm -hmm. it's a perfect one because yeah. that's marketed as being <laughs> so healthy. But in the end, it's like, well, mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going to mm -hmm. grow tits or you're going to get cancer from soy, then what's so great about it anyway? You know, oh, you're not eating animals. If you want to well, harvest your tumors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can har <laughs> harvest tumors inside your body. Uh, yeah. Janet, yeah, I have to in, um, own up to this. I'm a recovering vegan, so um, anything soy related makes me cringe a little bit because it just reminds me of like, oh God, how was I led to <laughs> to believe that was the right thing to do? You know. But you know the funny thing is, and and uh, Ellie and another uh, lady named Shannon. Shannon is a naturopathic doctor mm. um, that's also a really good friend of mine. We did a show on soy. And I am of the mindset, especially being in, you know, the medical industry and teaching for so long mm. that vegan diets are not right for everybody. No. Um, just like the carnivore diet's not right for right. everybody. You know, everybody has a different body type and a different um, way that they're that their system runs. And like for me personally, I cannot do a total vegan diet because right. I feel terrible. Yeah. Um, and I don't have energy and I'm like brain fog and the whole nine yards. So I'm one of those people that has to have meat protein. Me too. You know, and so, you know, and that's I think the one of the big misnomers in in um the medical per se or health industry is that you can only be healthy if you only eat fruits and vegetables. And that's mm. not the case at all. So what, what was your experience like being a vegan? Well, just like you said, I, I had all the brain fog, I kind of looked like a skeleton. And 
It mm-hmm. was not a good time for me, and especially for my family. Like they really thought I was going crazy. They openly talked about, you know, Jake, you probably have an eating disorder. Like you should probably like talk to someone about this. And I did eventually like <laughs> figure out that, like I actually remember Janet when I uh, had chicken for the first time. Like that was my like first meal to break this streak or whatever you want to call it. My b- brother made me this awesome meal. Thank you, Mike chicken broccoli rice just a classic you know american standard Mm -hmm. diet kind of meal it was it was awesome and the moment i bit into that piece of chicken i felt a wave like a rush of endorphins it was almost like all right Mm -hmm. i've been uh literally starving in some cases and now i'm finally feeling that nourishment after years after about two years and it was even more complicated janet because my girlfriend at that time was also vegan so we were doing this together and it was almost like we were a part of this cult and now we're like both recovering Mm -hmm. vegans and we're we're like chatting about our nostalgic days when we were dating and we were (laughs) brainwashed by these uh you know, these propagandized nutritionists or YouTube influencers who were like, hey, all you got to do is eat raw kale and nothing else and you'll be fine. It's like, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, I cannot do kale. It is so foul to me, just like bitter and that. And people are like, oh, if you freeze it, it tastes better. No, they're it's nope. kind of like um, it's kind of like liver for me. Uh, there's yeah. nothing that makes kale or liver taste good. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. So, getting into the vegan thing, did you feel like maybe you were kind of indoctrinated into oh, yeah. that way of thinking because you are? And I ask that because you're our younger generation. And so, you know, it's all this push from, you know, um, <laughs> it, we'd, we go through these pushes in our society, which I am not without uh, going through something like that myself. But right, right. like it, through school, through people that, you know, you hung out with or whatever, like that was the cool thing to do. All the yes, absolutely, and even in uh, school. So this <laughs> yes, is something that yes. you'll appreciate. Yeah, yes, all the above, Janet. All the above, uh, particularly <laughs> in school, though, because I was lucky. I, I got to try this cool new program called Holistic and Integrative Health, and it was a great program. It was really um, well. It changed my paradigm on a lot of things involving Western medicine or how to integrate the holistic healing practices, um, like acupuncture, for example. Mm -hmm. So like one thing I would say, um, on your point about veganism and the indoctrination, it's definitely something that could happen with any topic. So let's say, uh, you know, the vegan influencers who I was like, my, my algorithm on YouTube would just spam me with like, kale, 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 you know, something like that. It's like, they (laughs) figured out that I was into (laughs) veganism, and then they would just indoctrinate me further and further and the same could go for if they find Mm -hmm. out someone is like a pro-vaxxer then they'll do the same thing so the the algorithm could work with you or against you and once you put in those certain Mm -hmm. terms it'll just keep on spitting it back out to you and the same with your friends i mean if you keep on hanging out with Mm -hmm. vegans then it's kind of hard to um to pull away from that and i'm glad that i had friendly and kind people around me who were also showing me tough love and were like, hey, 
you're going to be a shitty person unless you change this. So here's some chicken. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny that you brought that up because um, I had a friend on the show before that talked about, you know, the being vegan um, previously and how cultish Mm. it was and how just hateful people get when you're trying to pull away from that. And it was like, you know, he was telling me, he's like, it was almost like, um, like I was doing something bad or something wrong just because I didn't want to be a vegan anymore. And so it's Mm. like constantly chastising or being rude or, you know, saying horrible things about my personality just because I didn't want to eat a carrot anymore (laughs) yeah yeah vegans would definitely like weaponize that kind of guilt that's very real and i definitely experienced that for sure and it you know some some people take it way too far like i've seen um i don't know if they're from PETA or whoever sent them or maybe they're just doing this because they have nothing else better to do but they would go into grocery stores (laughs) and harass people when they're Mm -hmm. in the uh the butcher area right i'm like what are you doing like if you want your food, like, you know, go eat your food, but leave everyone else alone. And it's a great reminder too. I'll be like, I'm going to get me a slab of cow. Yeah. Like that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you, you do you, if you, if that kale actually tastes good to you, then go for it. Here's some more, you know, but it's a great reminder for me personally. Cause I kind of had, you ever hear of like the Paul Revere effect? What's that? The Paul Revere effect is like, if you discover something that you think is like amazing, like the British are coming, then you want to tell everyone, you want to go around and tell everyone and shout it on the rooftops. You're like, oh my God, I'm vegan, I'm vegan, I'm vegan. And what I would do is I would end up giving people unwarranted advice about how to eat. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I didn't realize was that we all have a different metabolism. We're all carrying around a different constitution. I'm sure Shannon could speak on this our doshas, our Ayurvedic constitution is totally unique. So who am I to say Mm -hmm. you should be vegan? You know, it's totally, it's total BS. Yeah. And that's why um, I'm so glad that you brought up that as well as the holistic integration, Yeah, because it's so important for so many people that, you know, you can't just like heal your body. You have to heal your mind, body, and spirit. And so there's so many different um, playing fields, I guess you could say, that are involved in that and involved Mm. in like making yourself like whole, you know, and there's a lot of people um, like you had your prepper episode and I was listening to that. And that's one of the things I was thinking about. When you were talking about on the episode how, you know, people get so focused when they're prepping that they like narrow mindedly, like I'm only going to get ammunition or, you know, I'm only going to focus on food or or whatever. And there's so many other things that you have to think about. And that's the same thing as your body and your healing is that there's so many things at stake and in play that you have to consciously make an effort to change or fix or you know whatever to make all the moving parts work together so absolutely yeah well said Janet well said because there's like something to that like if someone wants to become healthier they could invest thousands into like supplements or whatever you know they could buy all these things Mm -hmm. but there's two words Mm -hmm. that really sum up what I've got out of this program which was 
lifestyle changes. And if right. you can change mm-hmm. your lifestyle to align with something that's a bit more holistic, like especially for people uh, working all day, like I'm a high school teacher. I've, I see this every day. People sit mm-hmm. all day, you know, like I've been using a standing desk right. and that's changed everything for me. My, my energy is totally different. And that one small lifestyle change, instead of spending eight hours sitting, I'm standing, I'm kind of like pacing around for eight hours. It feels so much better. And it was just a simple lifestyle change that made that happen. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely something I would encourage folks funny. to think about. It's funny because um, like there's so many people that, you know, will will reach out to me and they're like, you know, I need some suggestions on things to change or, or things to do to, to get better, to be better. I'm really healthy. I work out all the time and I'm like, okay, take me through your day. Like, what do you have for breakfast? What do you drink? You know, the whole nine yards. And then you find out they're drinking like a case of Mountain Dew a day. And I'm like, mm. well, yeah. that definitely could be a problem <laughs> right yeah that'll and that'll catch up with it's you little quick. things like that yeah it's little things like that and uh like in the teaching front i wholeheartedly side with you on that i was one of those teachers that i cannot stand to sit and mm. so when i would teach i was constantly walking like around the classroom yeah. all of the time because not only does it change your view and you get to have those, you know, eye contact with right. students in your class or, you know, notice things that maybe you wouldn't notice if you were sitting. Plus, you're getting your steps in and you're yep. getting healthier at the same time. Now, I do want to talk to you about teaching. What made you decide to go into teaching in the first place? Interesting. And I uh, would love to hear your experiences with teaching as well. But I can tell you this, that when I graduated in 2013, school was way different. And I'm sure you can say the same thing. The Common Core had not yet Mm -hmm. been rolled out when I graduated. And Mm -hmm. I am now experiencing how totally insane things could be. And not saying uh-huh. public education is totally horrible. <laughs> it's got its flaws for sure. But yeah, it's for pretty bad. Me personally, <laughs> it's kind of bad. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, my English teachers were my biggest role models. And at that mm-hmm. period of time, middle school to high school, my parents were getting divorced. So it was kind of a turbulent time. And I needed stable, uh, wise adults to look up to. Um, I love my parents very much, but during that that time, they were very preoccupied. So these uh, mm-hmm. teachers, especially my English teachers, were like my mentors. And speaking of catharsis, I had this one poetry teacher. I'll give you a quick example. This This class was unbelievable. So we always sat in a circle, and that facilitated the best conversations. And one day, this was on right. September 11th, he would have us... Um, listen to the audio clips from 9-11 at Ground Zero when this thing was happening. And there was no video. Mm-hmm. It was just audio. And we were hearing screams and this chaotic noise. And he turned off all the lights, closed all the blinds, and we totally immersed ourselves in this moment of September 11th, 2001. And then when it was over, he turned mm-hmm. on all the lights. He opened up the windows and he's like, all right, now write down what you were thinking about. And some of the people in mm-hmm. my in my class came up with the most astounding, like some some wrote, 
letters to the quote unquote terrorist. And, you know, at that time, I didn't know about jet, jet fuel, melting steel beams or anything like that, but still taking us through this process of creative, like creating something out of quote unquote, nothing. Like we were in this space together, Mm -hmm. just trying to support each other and create something unique. And then we would read it all aloud. And I was like, wow, like if I could do that someday and inspire someone the way that I was inspired, I'm sure most teachers say that, like, Mm -hmm. is that kind of what, what you say? If someone asked you like, why did you start teaching Janet? For me, um, I have a very different story because I went to business school first, got a business degree. Mm. And I'm like, ah, but I hate this. Like, I don't <sighs> want to spend all day behind a desk because I'm a mm. people person. I can't stand right. this. So um, I went to nursing school. And so, you know, started nursing and <clears throat> I was a nurse for you know, quite a long time. And I worked at a teaching hospital. Um, Mm. And so we would have um, physician students, nursing students, medical assisting students, uh, phlebotomy students, like the whole gamut um, come through the office that I was working in. And so the doctor was like, you know, I think you should uh, let the students follow you and you can teach them as you go. And I thought, Mm. "Eh, I don't know if I want to do that or not, but I went ahead and accepted it. And I really liked doing that. And then from there, it led me from, you know, doing actual hands-on teaching with them into Mm. teaching in the classroom. And I will tell you the it was night and day because um, when I started teaching, I was in Indiana and Mm -hmm. uh, it's very different when you move down here to Tennessee. Uh, And what I experienced was, you know, they, they always say Southern hospitality. That is not what I encountered. I encountered a lot of hostility in, Mm. (laughs) in the teaching field (laughs) and like, um, it was very challenging for me, not student wise so much, but administratively wise. Mm. And it's like uh, infringing on their territory. And, you know, uh, my teaching style was very different because not only did I like to walk around, but I like to get students involved in stuff. And so, right. um, like you were talking about the circle. Um, mm-hmm. I, t- I would teach in a circle a lot, or I would have them do interactive stuff. So if we were talking mm-hmm. about, you know, I was teaching them pharmacology and we were talking about drugs, um, like I'd make them role play, like, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of side effects from, you know, different kinds of narcotics. And I would make them get up and act it out and, um, have those kind of different, um, you know, interactions with them, or we'd make like, uh, we'd play like game show stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, we would do like, um, where they have to solve puzzles or it's like a jeopardy, you know, thing or something like that. And so they, they were very offended at my style of teaching, Hmm. um, which (laughs) the administration didn't like it, but at the same time, my students would actually learn better. And so when they would go to take their 
state board examinations, I had a hundred percent pass rate in my classes. Hey, there you go. Yeah. See, that's yeah. like data right there. You got you got proof that yeah. you were doing the right thing. Yeah. And it's definitely so great to you, emphasize those interactive lessons for sure. Yeah. A hundred percent. So when you started teaching, and I heard you talk about this um, with Elle on her pod, but I want to know how hard was it for you when you first started teaching? What was your comfort level? Yeah, my comfort level as a substitute teacher was sky high because the thing is the stakes were so low because you're in there for like mm -hmm. 90 minutes and then you never see them again. So it's like, it wasn't much of a consequence <laughs> there. Like if I was, uh, you know, a little mean or if I was too friendly, like it didn't matter because I never saw them again. And like, but starting my student teaching journey was right before COVID. I actually, um, went up until April 2020. And then I graduated. And that's, it was very weird timing. But during that process, right. I remember starting student teaching in January of 2020. And what was trending on Twitter at that time was hashtag World War Three. So I kind of made this little joke <laughs> in the beginning of the year. I was like, Oh, guys, like, it's gonna be an interesting year. It's January 2020. World War Three is trending. Like, let's see what's happening. And at that point, I was talking about the American dream in this particular class and I felt like an imposter. And this is something I talked about on Elle's show for sure. Like I've been, uh, you know, going into these classes uh, for the university, like taking the teaching college courses and they're very helpful, mm -hmm. but nothing is like getting firsthand hands-on experience in the, in the classroom. <laughs> right. Nothing can really prepare you for that, even as a sub, because being a sub is a total joke. So, mm -hmm. uh, it was definitely pretty rocky in the beginning, but I slowly and surely found my footing. Uh, the most challenging part about the school that I happen to work at now is that the culture of the classroom is very apathetic because it's the most overcrowded, mm -hmm. underfunded school in all of Connecticut. And so there's too many right. students and they're growing every single year. So it's almost impossible to address every student's needs. So it ends up being mm -hmm. this sort of mass produced conveyor belt system of education, like where the kids just right. go in and they all have to be fed a certain amount and then they'll come out on the other side graduated. Apparently they're smarter than when they were as freshmen. And yeah, it's really tough, but uh, that's part of the reason. Yeah. Part of the reason why I'm uh, trying to move out of here is because I want to see what it's like on the other side. And who knows, I might absolutely hate it down in Texas. But the thing is, I'm going to try. And I know that I've grown a lot since the beginning, but it was definitely not easy. And I did not feel like a teacher for the first couple of months. I still felt like a student. So that was a bit right. difficult psychologically. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's so um, it's hard for people that that haven't been in that situation to understand there's no level, no matter what, you know, whether it's nursing or teaching or, or whatever, there's no level of book work mm -hmm. that prepares you for real life situations that happen. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I ran into because here it's no child left behind. And so they literally will pass these people through school that just have no business passing. And so mm. by the time I would get them in college, we can't do simple math. 
problems. You mm. know, two plus two it was a foreign concept. They couldn't figure it out. Mm. And of course, I have to teach them equation math for, you know, medication dosage and stuff. And they're like, mm. I don't know how to add. I don't know yeah. how to subtract, you know, or uh, like they would write paper papers in text speak. Oh, right. Right. And with I'm the like, acronyms. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, okay. Hmm. Yeah. No, we're going to have to start over because yep. you can't work in the professional world and, and speak like this. Mm-mm. Not going to work. Doesn't you work can't like chart that. that way. You can't. Yeah, no. And, and so it was like a, a total, I would get them and I would have to reprogram them while I'm still trying to teach them to keep yeah. them on schedule with what our lesson plan or syllabus was. Right. Right. Which was, ooh, that was challenging. That's like uh, working overtime for sure. And yeah, that's uh, that's been the most discouraging part of teaching so far. And like, I do want to talk about what I've enjoyed about it too, but for sure, mm-hmm. just the same as you said, Janet, it's unbelievable to see. And I don't know if it's common core. I don't know if it's the fluoride in the water or what, but oh, this is uh, very alarming. Soy I was Soy, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, most of these kids, like, you know, I, I teach 10th grade and I see them bringing their snacks in and they'll like have like a bag of chips or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like the culture of being a student in high school is not really centered around this healthy lifestyle that we were talking about. These lifestyle changes right. that these students could make could probably make a mm-hmm. huge difference, but there's just too many, like the, the schools right. are so overcrowded that it's, um, it's definitely a dilemma that I've uh, thought about for quite a while, but there's not much I can do. All I can really do is encourage the best behaviors possible. Like, um, you know, something simple. I, I'm on the fourth floor. It's very hot up there in the summer. There's no air, air conditioning. So I'm like, guys, you need to get a water bottle oh. and, you know, fill it up and bring it in with you every day and you'll be much happier. I guarantee it. And a couple of them did. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy because they, they, uh, you know, it's staying hide, staying hydrated is just one little thing that they could do, but you know, it could right. make them a better student or a better learner for sure. So what do you feel like is the most fulfilling or rewarding part of teaching? Yeah. Thank you for, for asking. So there's something very rewarding, just like I had told you about sitting in that, that circle and having the discussion, sharing work. It's all centered around mm-hmm. discussion. And there are times when, right. you know, the kids got to write. Like I'm currently grading essays right now um, about Ellie Wiesel and Knight and the Holocaust. But before that, leading up to the essay, which is like the final product, we have to talk about this quite a lot. So I've been having a lot of fun. And this kind of bleeds into my podcast hobby, which is starting conversations and guiding conversations mm-hmm. and helping kids open up right. or share their thoughts, feelings, and perspectives on these these topics. And next, we're going to dive into The Tempest by Shakespeare. And that's kind of challenging, but it's also it's going to be very rewarding because it's a play that involves magic and adventure and mm-hmm. this hero's journey. So right. it's going to be fun to facilitate those conversations that I enjoyed so much as a student. And I hope to give the same experience to anyone who's eager to learn or explore um, the inner world for sure. And I think it's fantastic what you said, because your focus is on 
having them share their thoughts mm. and their experiences and think about like us as adults and how many people will tell you, um, I felt like I was all alone. I felt like I didn't have right. anybody to talk to. Um, and so every single person needs an outlet to be able to get out their thoughts um, and to be in a, you know, in an area where they're not being judged for right. having words or having thoughts about something or, you know, whatever the mm. case may be. And so I think it's beautiful sentiment from you that that is the most rewarding for you. Now, for me, um, it was a couple things. I love teaching them critical thinking skills because right. um, a lot of them, um, especially down here, had very broken families or they were the first person in their family to go to college. Um, and so they didn't have that, you know, positive home life and, and the things mm. that we are taught at home. And so just teaching them like little things like how to, um, you know, critically think about a subject or what, you know, what's the outcome going to be or what could the outcome be to things? And so I love that, but I also love um, the closeness that mm. I had with my students because we'd build such a rapport. And like, if they didn't show up to class, I would call and I'd be like, are you okay? You weren't here right. today. Like, you know, what's, what's going on? Is there anything that you need or, you know, what's, what's the, what's up? And so, you know, I still to this day, and I retired years ago, but I still to this day get calls or text message or whatever for my students that were like, yeah, yeah. you know, hey, I just was thinking about you and I love you so much. I just had another child or, nice. you know, whatever. And I love that. Um, I love that, you know, personal closeness. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a genuine like mentorship. And it's so cool that mm -hmm. teachers and I'm, I'm so happy that you've had that experience because that's what was really exciting about teaching in the beginning was hearing experienced teachers talk about how it wasn't just about, you know, the content teaching right. this and that and these facts and these stories, but right. building those connections and being an inspirational figure. Like uh, if mm -hmm. you're a, a parent, I don't have kids, but I know for a fact that being a parent is probably a lot like being a teacher because you're building yes. this lifelong relationship. They're going to remember you forever. They're going to remember mm -hmm. what you say and how you made them right. feel. And it's a great burden, but it's also a great opportunity to make a positive impact or sprinkle in some red mm -hmm. pills wherever you can, <laughs> if you want. I mean, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, and it's that's definitely the thing been fun. Because, to, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about, um, about teaching. Like I, I am not one of those that you have to share like all of your political views and, and stuff like that. Right. But down here, you know, it, at the time it was like a, Obama was up for reelection and whatever. And so that was a big deal on campus. And so the students were like, yeah, Obama phone and you know, whatever. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to, ask you some questions. I'm like, so, you know, I would pick out a student that ha would have like really good grades in class. Yeah. Um, and I'd say, okay, now you have all A's, you get 
straight A's on all of your papers. You get all your points on your test. You know, you're mm. so smart. Um, and then you might have a classmate who never comes to class, um, right. who has failed every test, who doesn't turn in their assignments, then they're getting an F, but we want to make sure that they still pass. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to take half of your A's away and give them to oh, someone else. Would you be okay with that? <laughs> and and they're like, oh my God, like this is terrible. Mm-hmm. Like that. And I'm like, these are the kinds of things that, that you know, you have to use critical thinking when you're thinking about stuff out in the world that pertains to your family or they, you know, even um, that was how I would work in like anything political without being political. Yeah. But like, even, you know, like they couldn't understand um, like I'd make them act out scenarios because they, Mm -hmm. some of them had massive attitude problems And so I would make them act something out and be like, okay, you're going to go in uh, to the doctor's office. And then I would give like each one of the people that they would come in contact with a different um, task or attitude, how -hmm. they would be with that person that's coming in. And they're like, I was ready to smack that nurse. I was ready to smack that doctor. And I was like... (laughs) That's my point exactly yes, is that this is why we are your attitude yeah. that you display in class is the attitude you're going to have at work. Yep. So if you encountered somebody like that as you are being a patient, would you like that? Mm. So yeah, that, that that's fascinating too because I kind of assumed. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's that's a. Really cool point, Janet, because I kind of assume that once you're in the college level, like you don't have to teach manners anymore or like kind of like be a guiding oh, no. mm-hmm. uh, force for like mm-hmm. the personality of a student, but it, it, it never seems to, to end. And, you know, it's the, the other thing I really want to comment on is that leading students through questioning, um, that's the, so- the Socratic mm-hmm. method, which is perfect. That's the best way to learn right. critical thinking because mm-hmm. it's not like you're lecturing. It's not like you're... Um, proselytizing right. or you're, you're not um up mm-hmm. on your soapbox you're just leading people through a series of questions so that they could examine maybe their own biases or how they define certain words right that, that's always really fun like if someone told mm-hmm. me well i'm an atheist i'd be like all right what does an atheist mean and then just like go through that series of questions what does that mean mm-hmm. what does that mean how do you define that right. and that's always really fun yeah but never like antagonizing p- students or anyone but to just um lead them through that questioning process to figure out the root of their understanding or perhaps Mm -hmm. their blind spots as well. Right. Yeah. Now let me ask you this because this is a huge issue um, with a lot of my friends that are teachers. Mm -hmm. What is it like um, in the Connecticut school system as far as uh, disciplinary issues go if there is a student who is – uh, like violent per se, like what is their okay. policy? So the school that I'm working at is so massive that we've got like a whole staff of police officers and um, security guards. They're actually called safety advocates, which is a just mm-hmm. fancy word magic. They're security guards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> as a teacher, the only rule that people should understand for teachers is that everything is hands off. So if there's a mm-hmm. fight, 
All I got to do is step back and call mm -hmm. someone, which right. is a big relief because most of these kids are way taller than I am. And I don't right. want to get in the middle of any of that. And yeah, the best thing about yeah. the disciplinarian thing and the school in particular is that the, the cops and the security guards are very used to it. So it's like they're able to respond very quickly. And there are a lot of fights. There's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of vaping in the right. bathroom. And it creates, right. like I said earlier, this culture of apathy. No one's really mm -hmm. there to learn. Only a few people actually go to school to learn. They're there to work. hang out. Yeah, they're there to hang out. Yeah. And it's yeah. almost like this is my main problem with public school and why I would hope to one day move up to the community college level if, if possible because mm -hmm. when you're paying to go to school especially for a community college where they're commuting right they place a lot more value in their education i would assume a high school student is basically a prisoner of the state and if they skip class they're punished right. like a prisoner and so that's that's always bothered me i did go to public school myself but i'm very curious to be in a different environment that treats kids mm -hmm. more like adults. Okay. So um, on the teaching front, what happens when um, a student lays hands on you? Oh, that's a good question. I've never thought about it because I do my absolute best to stay on everyone's good side, even though I do <laughs> have to be an authoritative figure and tell mm -hmm. kids what to do or where to go. I never tell them what to think, but I, I do uh, never antagonize them. I think the best thing I can do sometimes is walk away whenever there's escalation. Um, but I, mm -hmm. I, I'm well versed in verbal jujitsu if that ever happens. But if a student lays hands on me, <laughs> all I'm doing is putting my hands up because the last thing I can, mm -hmm. like, I can't afford lawyers. I can't afford a lawsuit. Like, there's right. uh, plenty of cops at my school that'll swoop in and save me. Um, but if any student lays hands on me, then I probably fucked up. I, I probably said something I shouldn't have. And that's probably my fault. <laughs> that's what maybe, I would say. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. See, and it was different for me because especially um, being down here, I had a lot of students, like I said, that came from broken homes really bad behavior problems. Mm. And I cannot tell you the amount of times um, that I was threatened. Uh, they were going to stab me in the parking lot or shoot mm. me or, Yikes. you know, whatever. And we did have police on campus. Mm. However, and this is not anything bad against the police department, but the officers that we had it was more imperative for them to flirt with the students in the hallway Yikes! than it Ugh. was for them to keep watch over things. <laughs> that is definitely if problematic. That makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. That's definitely, um, you know, pri priorities are not aligned for sure. And, uh, you know, especially yeah. like when people ask me about teaching and they're like, well, Jake, you know, do your students ever flirt with you? I'm like, let's not talk about that. I mean, all I do is change this, the subject if it ever happens. Um, and the right. best thing is, too, that students uh, who are on your side, like who want to be there and learn, they often will support mm -hmm. you. I'm, I'm sure you've experienced that as well. Like if there's oh, a, yeah. someone acting out and this is so flattering to me. 
the student who's on my side will be like, hey, shut up and listen to Mr. Loco. And I'm like, wow, thank you. Thanks for having my my back, dude. Like, I need more people Thanks like you. Thanks for doing now. what I don't have to do now. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> How much should I pay you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's awesome when you do have um, students that you know that are there to learn and yeah. they're like hungry little sponges and they're waiting, you know, for any for information sure. that they can get yeah. from you. Um, because yeah. it sure beats the ones that are like playing games on their phones or whatever. Mm -hmm. We had a mm -hmm. huge issue with that. And so I had to start making like rules for my classroom that I would hand out each time I got a new set of students and I'd be like, mm -hmm. Okay, these are the things that are not going to be tolerated in my classroom or, you know, whatever. Like right. they thought they'd be really sly one time. And I always told them, I'm like, you know, on your homework assignments, you can do them, um, especially like critical thinking stuff in a group. And that way you can like bounce ideas off of each other or whatever. Mm. Well, they thought they'd be real cute one time. And one person did the homework and then they took it out in the hallway to the copy machine oh. and photocopied. And so every student had the exact same answers and the whole nine yards with the same misspellings. And then you'd see where they scratched out the name at the top sometimes, sometimes not even, mm. you know, and put their own name. And I would be like, I found it on the copy machine and I took it in and I'm like, well, um, since you guys creatively thought about that project, um, <laughs> you can creatively think about what you're going to do to raise your grades because everyone gets a zero and they're yeah, like, yeah, that's not fair. And I'm like, you didn't even bother to change the wording or correct. Yeah. Words shame on them. Or make shame it yours. I'm like, that's not how this works. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely challenging because I've, I've seen kids do the same thing. They will put in a lot of effort to get out of doing work. Mm -hmm. It ends up being more right. effort if they had actually done the assignment. That done you gave the work them. it's themselves a hundred percent. Yeah. So what did, um, what kind of support did you get from your family when you told them that you were going into teaching? Yeah, I come from a family of teachers, and I always kind of laugh about this because my grandfather was a math teacher, and most of the people in my family are terrible at math. We're like, I, I don't know how he got that that gift, but we're all like illiterate when it comes to using numbers. But uh, yeah, I've, I've had um, plenty of teachers. A couple of the decorations that I'm hanging in my classroom come from them. So they've like recycled them up to me or re-gifted them to me, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. They've always been very supportive and they definitely um, listened to me when I opened up about how challenging this particular school is. You know, I'm sure most people mm -hmm. in an overcrowded urban setting are feeling the same way that there's too many students. Like I don't have a hundred friends. I guarantee you there's no way that I could have a positive relationship with a 100 students that's like asking someone to right. do like way too much but i try my absolute best right. and they've always supported me by talking to me about it which is great because some days they'd be like how was school today and i'd be like ah it was kind of a shit show 
And then there would be other days where like things go really well and they they were always there to hear me out and, you know, let me rant about what was going on. Mm -hmm. So that was always really nice for anyone going into a new career or anyone struggling with their current career. It's always good to have someone who right. will listen, um, but don't take it too far. Don't vent too much. And if you're a teacher, especially stay the fuck away from that teacher's lounge, because that's what most people do there <laughs> is they go there to complain. And that was the first piece of it. Exactly. That, like, that was the first thing I was taught was don't go there, like mind your own business, like don't join the mm -hmm. gossip. Um, so yeah, overall, my family's been very supportive. I was, yeah. Don't get involved in the drama festival. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right on. And the, everybody in there backstabbing the other teachers and whatever. Yeah. Infighting yeah. is and always the a waste of time. Ask you, yeah. uh, exactly. The reason why I ask you about family support is I know that for a lot of people, um, a lot of kids, like when they go to their parents and they're like, I'm going to go to school for this or that, their parents are like, mm. oh, why did yeah. you pick that? I don't understand yeah, yeah. what your thinking is. Why are you doing that? And I can say that happened in my family, not with mm -hmm. me and my daughter, but my daughter and my parents, when she told them what she wanted to do, that was their response a hundred percent. And it was like so negative right from the get go. Yeah. And then it puts like doubts in their mind, like, right. you know, and also like a little bit of irritation because why are, why are they not being supportive? Yeah. But my thinking is if you know your kids and you know their personalities and can see them as an actual person, right? Um, then their career choice should be something that you already could see in them. Mm. Like my daughter just graduated with her master's in social work. Cool. And I was like, you know, my, of course my parents are like, oh, it doesn't pay enough. And why do you want to do that kind of work? And blah. Mm. And I was like, me knowing her like I do, I'm like, she's very empathetic. She's very uh, motivational, the whole nine yards. And I'm like, this career path is perfect for her. Yeah, it sounds perfect. Because yeah. it suits her personality. And that's why I wondered if your parents, but since they're teachers too, I'm sure you didn't get flack. Yeah, <laughs> there is something else too. Like I was just talking to Bill and Adam about this where – in someone told me long ago that in, everyone knows that teachers don't get paid much and right. it probably would have been better if I no, went they into don't. nursing or <laughs> something like that. Yeah. They don't get paid much either. <laughs> yeah. But this, uh, one of my old, old mentors would say, it's not about the income. It's about the outcome. And sometimes outcome. I, mm -hmm. I am worried. Yeah. The, uh, outcome is not always what I intend it to be. Like sometimes the outcome is just me yelling because no one's listening. Everyone's on their phones. Um, but sometimes if I really put all of my heart and soul into it, the outcome is this really cool right. conversation where these, these kids are thinking critically. They're learning from each other, which is really great because um, there's this, mm -hmm. uh, this meme that kind of goes around in the teaching college. It's like teachers are not this like Kool-Aid man vessel that can just dump all their knowledge into someone else. There's more of like uh, a tinder to start the fire in other people's minds so that they could share and, uh, you know, spread that knowledge around. But 
-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's so it all comes back to having that discussion. And it gets distracting when people are on their phones or doing this or that or going out to vape in the bathroom. But when they're here and when they're present and they're listening and they're engaged, that's when the real magic happens. But it takes a village Mm -hmm. and it takes cooperation. So every day is a, 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 a struggle. But, you know, there are moments of glory, I like to say, where it goes really well. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of it's on me to plan something interesting. Uh, but that's right. Uh, yeah, that's the, you know, the general struggle that I'm sure most teachers could relate to for sure. And I think, too, one of the things about teaching um, that people don't understand is there is a lot that goes into teaching mm-hmm. because you have to make your lesson plans. You have to, like I had to make all my exams, quizzes, you know, whatever, and then plan for any um, out of the ordinary projects like I was talking about earlier yeah. that, you know, we would do. Um, and then you've got the grading of the papers and the whole nine yards. And like for me, because I was teaching a split shift, um, and so I would teach morning and then I'd have a little break and then I'd have to go back and teach night class as well. Mm. And I was putting in like 80 to 120 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. Not just with teaching, but, you know, making, making the exams, making the handouts, you mm. know, planning stuff, grading papers, whatever. And I'm like, it is, is so much work. Um, that sometimes it's overwhelming, but it is really, yeah. really rewarding even to reach one student out For of the sure. entire class. And I know that sounds dumb, but it's kind of like the podcast community. Right. Even if you do a show that reaches one person, then that person reaches out and is like, oh my God, Jake, like, thank you for doing a show on that yeah. because, uh, oh, you know, it really hit home with me. Yeah. That's what it's all about. That is the most rewarding thing. Yeah. It's I not about money about or anything. Yeah. Share it. So uh, I've been speaking out. I've been pretty vocal about the vaccine mandate at my mm-hmm. school district and how I was able to right. get religious exemption. So someone who I've never spoken to, I don't know this person, but a friend of a friend showed them this episode. They're like, this teacher got religious exemption. You should hit him up. Listen to his episode. He talks about, you know, getting out of the vaccine mandate. So she right. she messaged me on Instagram and then I was able to email her my letter that I typed up, my essay mm-hmm. basically, where I was like, I am a Christian. Here are three reasons why. Don't make right. me do this. And I got to send it to her and she was able to use it and get her exemption. And it was the coolest thing because yeah, That's like fantastic. the outcome was yeah, like I was able to add a little bit of value to someone's life. For, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, I wish it wasn't like this. I, I wish we didn't have to write these letters of religious exemption, right. but it is what to it is. Prove, and I was able to, to prove that you're actually religious and that you yeah. actually believe these things. Yeah. Now, Janet, weren't you taught that we should separate the church from the state? Isn't that a thing exactly. that we all Exactly. A hundred thousand percent. And I will tell you, um, at my husband's employer, we filed a religious exemption for him. Mm-hmm. Um, it was denied. They denied them all the way across the board. No oh one God. got one. Um, and then the further we get into things, the more I find out about the amount of money that they get from the federal government. Yeah. Um, that they have people from the who 
mm-hmm. uh, on their staff um, right. that members of the CDC uh, came from there or or currently work there or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, go figure. You know, yeah. it's one of those Brought things. And, and it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this episode brought to you by not Pfizer. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it, you know, one of those things where it's so, it's getting to the point where every person that's religious is getting attacked from one direction or the other, mm. other uh, because either they're attacking you because you are religious, which would be the case for me. Um, a lot of people like come at me because I am, and I'm not afraid to speak about it. Um, or, you know, uh, they're attacking you because you don't go along with drag queen story hour or, you know, whatever (laughs) the case may be, Right. you know what I'm saying? That goes against whatever your beliefs are as a person. So it's, it's one of those things where it's okay for them to have their set of beliefs, but you can't have Mm -hmm. yours. Right. Yeah, it's totally backwards, totally backwards. And I'm so happy that you do speak about uh, the religious side of your lifestyle. Like, you know how we talked about lifestyle changes? Like at one point I was sort of, you could say brainwashed or manipulated to believe that talking about God was a bad thing. Like if I talk about God, they're going to think I'm crazy. And I'm not talking about work. I'm talking about like in my regular day-to-day social life, you know, it's like something I shouldn't talk about. But I've been learning more and more recently that embracing the spiritual side of life and, you know, connecting Mm -hmm. to God and however way you want to is the most empowering thing I can do. And it's always a blessing, Mm -hmm. Janet, to connect with other people um, who are not afraid to speak about their religious views or their experiences. And yeah, it's, you know, and it's so hard to explain. And I've tried to explain this on a show before. But like the the absolute endless joy that I have in my life is just because of God, because my life was uncluttered by him. Mm. And so, you know, I don't have the stress and the drama and the depression and the anxiety and, you know, all of that stuff. And like even being bombarded on a daily basis with all of the, you know, news of, you know, right. whatever the, whatever the focus is of that day yeah, um, or researching or, or whatever, hmm. because of my belief system, I do not fall prey to the, um, I, I guess, darkness that some people right. will tell you about when they're researching stuff. That doesn't happen to me because, you know, I'm able to look at things through a completely different lens and not have it affect me like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm right very on, right on. For that. Yeah, yeah. And there's something there's really a cool. a lot of people. Go ahead. I was going to say there's something really cool about like being in a in a community of people who are supportive in that same way. Like there mm-hmm. is certainly a lot you could say about having a connection to God and how that could benefit you and not feeling alone in that is really cool. Like I got to attend a Mm -hmm. church recently on mother's day because my stepmom was on vacation. My mom was on vacation. So I didn't really have any like moms to hang out with on (laughs) mother's day. So I, (laughs) you can come hang out with me. Sure. Sure. 
I was invited to come hang out um, at a church, and so I went to this this service, and I thought about it. I was like, "What what are we doing here?" And it's a book club where we su- we support each other. Like we're all reading. Mm-hmm. This happened to be the Mormon church, so I went to the Mormon church. I brought the Book of Mormon with me, and you know, I'm not like a baptized Mormon or anything, but I was invited because this community is so kind, and that's what I'm stressing is that mm-hmm. if you break it down to what's happening on the surface. This is a spiritual book club and people are meeting right. to talk about these lines and then they talk mm-hmm. about how it makes them feel, how it helps them connect to this higher power. And then they mm-hmm. support each other in whatever challenges they're trying to overcome. And I thought about that. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, like why why are religious people so demonized? And maybe it's right. because of the history of warfare and things like that. But in my day-to-day life, I've had nothing but joy from um, the mm-hmm. religious community, whether they were in the Church of the Mormons or any other right. uh, denomination or creed, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it would be, it's just cool to have people open up about their experiences and their uh, connection right. to something. And you know what I think um, the demonization comes from a lot of times is because when you know be, us being energy beings. Mm-hmm. You know, and when we get together, we we vibrate on a higher level. Yeah. Um, and when you congregate like that, you're happy, you're joyful. And so that's one of the things that they cannot compete with. They cannot mm-hmm. conquer that. Um, mm-hmm. and that's why I think building this sense of um community with people, whether it be, you know, online or, or in person is so important because you, you learn from each other and you grow from each other and, you know, that you get to share experiences and knowledge and, you know, the whole nine yards. And so you have like an entire support system that you call family, even though they're not your family, family, they're not your blood family, but they are family. Yeah. And I and they, the powers that be hate that mm-hmm. because they can't control that, and mm-hmm. they can't control that love and that joy and you know everything that comes from being in a group like that. So yeah, well said, well said. Yeah, thank you, and God bless so, you. By the way, <laughs> oh, thank you, and you too, my dear. So if you were to give um, advice to people. Mm. what would your advice be for them? Interesting. So this is a nice open-ended question because it's advice to anyone about anything. So what I usually ask advice on is how do I know if I'm doing the right thing? And Mm -hmm. I would love to tell anyone listening if they want to do something, if they want to make some kind of change, if they want to move to a different state or a different country, or if they want to change careers, change relationship, mm-hmm. change a direction in their life in some way, you know, it all goes back to lifestyle changes. Um, mm-hmm. I would say this one, find someone who's done the same thing. If you can talk to someone with some experience, find a mentor and two, write it down. If you write down what you really want, you'll be able to see it in a whole new way. It's just like, when you have an idea and you finally get to talk about it, you're hearing it mm-hmm. in like another language. Because in your right. brain, in your mind, it sounds different. 
But once you say it aloud, that's when you really cast that magical spell. And writing things down is the same way. It's going to solidify it in a different medium. Its energy is going to transfer somewhere else. So talk to a mentor, write down what you want. And then number three for me is go all in. If you fail, Mm -hmm. but you went all in, you'll be satisfied. Even if you fail so miserably that it's like a total disaster, it's okay. Because if you put in your 100%, your 110%, you won't regret that. Even if you totally fuck up, you'll still have respect for yourself for trying your absolute Mm -hmm. best. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for such a cool question. And I love that because if you fail, that's a learning lesson from you. So you'll know what to change and do different next time. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's the key thing for people is don't, don't let the fear of changing or doing right. something different, um, stop you or hold you back because, uh, fear is all in the mind. Fear is not a real thing. Mm-hmm. And so we are meant to try things and fail. Um, yeah. we're meant to, you know, make friends for a short period of time and that, and that friend leaves or, you know, whatever the case may be, it's because that everything that we encounter in life helps us to grow, Mm -hmm. to learn, um, and to change ourselves exponentially. So, you know, so Mr. Jake, where all can our listeners find you at? Thank you so much, Janet. This has been really fun. And, uh, I would invite anyone to come and check out the Local Listens podcast, but I would really, really want to invite people who want to chat and share memes, share whatever, hop onto the Telegram group. It's the Loco Listeners. So that's t.me slash Loco Listeners. A lot of great memes in there, a lot of great resources. We're just chatting about whatever. Anything goes, come as you are, be yourself. And thank you so much, Janet. I can't wait to have you on my show. And this has been a real treat. I appreciate the invitation. Oh, I'm so I'm so glad that you were able to join me today. Um, I love talking to new people about all kinds of different things. So it's been wonderful for me as well. And I look forward to future endeavors with you, my dear. Um, make sure that you go like, subscribe, comment, share, download all of Jake's episodes. Uh, anytime you leave a comment, it always helps. Uh, make sure you hit him up and tell him you like the show, tell him how it affected you. Those things are always important. So you can always watch the video version of this on Roku TV on Patriot Podcast Network. So make sure you go like, subscribe, comment on that as well. Um, and then make sure you check out the, uh, audio version of the podcast as well. So, For me and for Jake, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Have a good one. Thank you, Janet.